Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Turn your Bibles to Exodus. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. I'm going to read Exodus 2, verse 11 through 15. And then I'm going to read Exodus 3, verse 9 through 12. Exodus 2, thank you, Lord. Bless God for our music ministry. Amen. Amen. And the fact that they don't mind having a party at any time, they like, I think they like having Holy Ghost parties. I love it. Exodus 2, let's read verse 11 through 15. Now it came to pass in those days, somebody said those days, when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren. In fact, he was 40 years old. How old was Moses? He's 40 years old. He went out to his brethren. So that just lets you know you ain't grown that you get 40. You ain't here 18 talking about you grown. You're not grown. <laughs> I used to have a thing I talked to girls about, ladies about. I said, y'all in GWIT, grown woman in training because y'all don't know. When Moses was, how old? 40, he was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, check to see if anybody coming. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses is doing some gangster stuff. <laughs> and when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Chapter 3, let's look at chapter 3 now. Look at verse, let's start at verse 9. Chapter 3, verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. Another 40 years has passed, by the way, so now Moses is 80. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Uh, keep going, we're going to go all the way down to 12. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt 
in fact, we're going to go to 15. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Amen? We're going to hang around some more in, in Exodus. But I don't know if the guys remember this song, but I'm sure the ladies probably do. The ladies probably remember this song. Y'all know I love music, but the ladies might remember this song. I don't know if the guys remember this. But y'all remember that song, Who Do You Think You Are, Mr. Big Stuff? You're never going to get my love, Mr. Big Stuff. <laughs> y'all remember Mr. Big Stuff? She said, she said, now because you wear all those fancy clothes and have a big fine car, do you think I can afford to give you my love? You think you're higher than every star above. Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? You're never gonna know, know, know. Mr. Uh huh. That song kept ringing in my mind. It's so funny that whenever God gives me a word, it's like the, the, the songs just start coming. I don't ask for them, but the songs just start coming. In. And, and the thing that hit me with that song was, while it has no theological ramifications in it, it is theologically sound in the fact that she recognized it wasn't his fine clothes and his car that was what mattered to her. But what happened is Mr. Big Stuff had gotten an idea of who he was based upon what he drove and what he wore. Oh, my God. Come on. Let's get ready. Mr. Big Stuff getting ready to preach for y'all. And what has happened, unfortunately, is in our world, in our society, some of us got the Mr. Big Stuff mentality. Well, we think that what we drive, where we live, what we wear dictates who we are. And as a result, we like to use that to determine how we act with other people, how we treat one another, what we do and what we don't do because we got the who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff mentality. So today... I want to ask you a question, and the question is, who do you think you are? Because the reality is that true spirituality is wrapped up in the relationship that we have with ourselves. The assessment we have of ourselves dictates and determines whether or not God can get his plan for our lives through us. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
I'm going to try to make it as plain as possible. The reality is there are two views that we have that keep us out of God's purpose for our lives. Two views. One view is too high. And the other view is too low. It's too low, it's too low. Look at Romans 12 and 3. You, you probably know this verse by heart because you've been reading it every, every day because you've been reading Romans 12 every day. If you look at Romans 12 and 3, I know you probably know this by heart, but, but, but turn there just in case you don't. Romans 12 and 3, we've gotten past 1 and 2. We know we've got to surrender. We know we've got to submit our bodies. We know we can't be conformed. We've got to separate ourselves. But then Romans 12 and 3 say, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, somebody say that means everybody, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. Now, Paul could have easily said, don't think more highly of yourself but instead, you need to think lowly of yourself. But he didn't say that. He says, don't think too highly. And instead, I need for you to think soberly. I need you to think soberly. I need you to think soberly. We're going we're gonna to talk about what soberly, soberly is. Has anybody ever gone to the fair and uh, you, you went through, I always hated haunted houses. I, I just hated all that stuff. I never been into that kind of stuff. But you ever been to the fair and they got that old crazy mirror? Oh, God. They call it the warp mirror. You've you seen it, the, the warp mirror. And you, and you go by and, and you look at it. It, it, that's you, but it's, it's not you. But you look at it, and it, it, you, you, either you're big or you're skinny or you, you look deformed. Or you ever looked at that? What Paul is teaching us is that we got to refrain from having a warped view of ourselves. And a warped view is any view that thinks more highly than it ought to think. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. In our chapter... Three of Exodus, two of Exodus, Moses thought more highly of himself than he should have. Now, you got to understand Moses' story. Moses was actually a Hebrew. And at the time when Moses was born, the book of Exodus opens up before he even comes on the scene, Martita. And the, the book says that there rose up a king that did not know Joseph. And the issue with the king, Martita, was that when he looked out, the Hebrews were great in number. So he says, I know y'all said Joseph was a good guy, but... I can't rely upon you just telling me Joseph was good because when I look out here, these folks are big and buck, and uh, it's a whole lot of them. So what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to make sure that whenever a female is born, y'all can keep her. 
But when a male is born, I'm going to need y'all to throw him in the Nile River. I'm going to work on genocide. We're going to work on getting rid of all the men. We're going to work on getting rid of all the men. Because when we look out there, there's just too many of them. They're just, they just too buck and too big and too smart. Come on. I, I'm not going to go down that road. But I, I, when he looked out, he says, I see that there's just too many of them. So now I'm going to need to annihilate them. And so what happens is Moses' mother gives birth to him, and she tried to hide him as long as she could. She was hiding him, Tony, for three months, and he was beautiful. He just was a beautiful baby. And she looked at him, and she realized, you know, he was getting a little chunky, and he started making a little noise, and, you know, I can't keep him as quiet by nursing him in the house. And and sooner or later, somebody's going to realize that this curly hair is really not a girl, but he really is a boy. And so she decides that she's going to place him in a basket that was created and let him sail down the Nile. Now, he was put in the basket at a strategic time because he was put in the basket at the time, Gerard, when Miriam happened to be down there and she says, well, we're going to put him in this basket, but what's going to happen is Pharaoh's daughter was out there And she's taking a bath. And all of a sudden, this basket comes floating down, and they hear her baby crying. And so Moses ends up being taken out of the basket, and it just so happens, his sister, you want me to go get somebody to take care of him? And and, and Pharaoh's daughter says, yeah, we're going to need somebody to take care of him. And so she goes and gets Moses' mother. And Moses' mother comes back down there, and they say, well, what we're going to do is I'm going to pay you to take care of this baby. And when you finish taking care of him and he grows up, then I'm going to come get him, and he's going to be my son. And so they do that, and Moses is raised up in Pharaoh's house. He's raised up with the best of the best. Oh, come on, somebody. He's raised up with the best food. He, he got Gucci and Prada and he got Louis Vuitton and everything he needs, he got it. He can walk around this week, he can have a Louis belt on. Next week, he can have a Gucci. Today, he can have on Prada shoes. It didn't matter because they were wealthy. So everything he wanted, if he wanted to eat sushi today, he could have sushi. If he wanted to have steak, he could have steak. Whatever he wanted, he could have it. And so Moses was now raised in a place of elitism. Oh, So what happens, Marcus, is now that he's 40, he's been doing all he wanted to do all of his life. And he goes down and sees this Egyptian and this Hebrew fighting. Now, what's amazing is even though he was raised with these Egyptians, he still didn't forget, that's my bra right there. Oh, so he looks out and he sees them fighting. And his high mindset says that I can take this situation in my own hands and I'm going to handle this. Now, to show you that Moses understood he was off kilter and he knew that it really wasn't something he needed to do is that he looked both ways before he killed him. That's what your Bible said. Your Bible says that Moses was standing there and he just, you know, boom, 
you know, Moses said, boom. But what happens is he kills this man. And now watch this. Because of his high view of himself, when he goes out now to play judge between two of his brothers who are fighting, one of them questions him to say, who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? You think it's your fine clothes and who you, who, you gonna kill me too? Now notice what happens. Here's what happens. When we have a high view of ourselves, we start killing stuff and people. When we think more highly of ourselves, we start killing relationships. You ever been around somebody, this ain't going to be you right now, we're going to talk about somebody else, right? But you ever been around somebody, you can't stand to be around them because everything is about them. They think they know everything, got everything. Every, you tell a story, they got one better. Your child ran the 500 meter, their child ran the 1,000. They think more highly of themselves. And so what happens is you start getting in a place where you don't want to be around that person. I know that's not you. That's not you. But what happens is when we have this warped view that says we are better than, we are greater than, then people no longer want to be associated with us because it's just not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. See, before our young people, before you, before you get this thing to say, well, that's why I don't want to be so smart because people, no, 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 no. It's not that he don't want you to be smart, okay? Here, here we go. This is for y'all. This is a Holy Ghost nugget. The whole Lord just dropping it right here for y'all, right here, right here in this area. He's dropping it right here for the young people. See, it's the difference between being a smarty pants and being smart. Smart is sober. Smarty pants is high, high-minded. So he says, I don't want you to think so highly of yourself because when you do, you start killing relationships. People no longer want to associate it with you. Here's something else that you kill when you think of yourself more highly is you start killing opportunities. Because whereas a boss or whereas a superior, someone saw something in you, now the doors start closing on you. Because they feel like if I put that person in that place, I won't be able to tell them anything because they know too much. So you wonder why. You say, I don't know why I didn't get the job. I I was so qualified. Well, you got to ask yourself, who do you think you are? Who, who, who do you think you are? Do you, do you think you, you know everything? I love it because last week Jeff told you that, you know, you forgot to look on the wall and realize that the company been in existence for 100 years. So they can do without you. But what happens is you start killing opportunities and wondering why door after door is closing or why this didn't work out or why that didn't work out. It's because your view of yourself is too high. Somebody say too high, too high, too high. Here's something else you start killing. And when we think more highly of ourselves, we don't just kill relationships and kill opportunities, but we kill time. 
Because now what happened is Moses just left. He's 40 years old. Now he's so embarrassed and so ashamed and he's got to run from Pharaoh wanting to kill him. So now he spends 40 years running for his life. Now, the very time that God has ordained and and set aside for him to move. Listen, when you are 40 years old, you're at the best season of your life. Things start becoming more aware for you. You start getting a sense of maturity. Certain things don't matter like they used to. And now at the peak burn of his life, he's spending it running for 40 years all because he thought too highly of himself. So I say to you, you got to watch out for the view where you think that you all that, Mr. Big Stuff. We got some Mrs. Big Stuffs in here, too. But then there's another view we got to watch out for. The second view we got to watch out for is thinking too lowly of ourselves. Yeah, 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 Sue, that's, that's right. That's a, it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. I, I, I Sue, have, have never seen so much in my life as in this season and time the number of people, God's people, who think so lowly of themselves. Who, 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 who have the mindset that Moses said that where we start asking, who am I to say that? You sent me. Who, who, who am I? I, I? I'm so amazed because I work with people every day and I realize that one of the main reasons why people don't move forward in their purpose and in their vision and in their dream is because they have such a fear that they don't have it. A fear of, can I do it? Do I know how? What if I fail? What if somebody sees me? What if I don't talk right? What if I don't dress right? What if I don't know the right words to say? What if, what if, well, what if not? What if it, what? So he says, there's this place where we have to guard ourselves from thinking too low of ourselves. You you know Moses, Moses had the big excuse. Moses said, he says, Basically, I am nobody. I, I, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm a nobody. Who, who am I? Who am I? He starts saying that when you ask him, who am I? Who am I? I'm nobody. And, and, and how am I going to get there? Who's going with me? But here's what God says to you. He says it in Matthew 28 and 20. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. So what has to happen to the person that's too low is we got to start speaking to ourselves and you got to start saying self when you start wondering who you are and whether you should go and if you're going to have to go alone, you got to start saying self, we ain't going alone. We're not going alone self because God promised us that he would, he would be with us and he promised us that, that he would never leave us or forsake us. That's what he promised us. You got to start telling yourself Romans says you got to renew your mind. You got to start telling yourself what God said. But then not only did Moses look at look at those verses 13 through 15, Moses start wondering whether or not he was smart enough. So he didn't feel like he was smart, like he had all the withal. And I know sometimes we get presented and we start wondering, well, well, can I really? I I don't know if 
I can, if I can learn that, I, I remember Miss, Miss Joe said, I, I don't think I can remember scripture. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Well, by the time we finished, Miss Joe was quoting so many scriptures. She was smiling from ear to ear. I was like, quote that scripture, Miss Joe. Because the truth is, is that while you might not believe that you're smart enough, you got to start telling yourself, Philippians 4, 17, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I, I can do it. I can do it. Somebody say, I can do it. Come on, come on. I believe we got to start getting some of our, ourselves out of it where Moses starts saying that, you know, Moses starts saying, I, I'm not credible. I'm not credible. You know, nobody's going to listen to me because I, I killed them. I, I killed the man. And who's going to listen to me? And, and, and now I'm afraid to go. You got to start telling yourself, I'm credible. Listen, you got to start speaking second Timothy to yourself. And you got to start saying, self, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us power and love and a a sound mind, a sound mind, a sound mind. We got we to gotta come up. We got to come up. We got to come up. Even for the person that starts saying, well, you know, I, I, I'm just not qualified. I just don't feel like I'm qualified for this. Well, then you got to come back to what you're reading every day in Romans. And it says that you are gifted. So everything you need to get the job done, he says in Romans 12, 6 through 8, that he gave you gifts. He put gifts inside of you. So what has to happen is we got to change the view of ourselves. So instead of thinking too high or too low, we got to think sober. Well, what does it mean to think soberly? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked because when I start thinking about thinking soberly, I start thinking about when people get drunk. Now, I know none of y'all in here been drunk before. So I ain't talking about you. None of y'all in here been high before. So I ain't talking about you. Some of y'all had a sip last night. I ain't talking about you, though. I ain't talking about you. But if you think about it, when a person, not you, but when a person is drunk or high or intoxicated, if you think about it, there is an impairment going on. And when you're drunk or high, or a person, a person, I got to get it right, a person is drunk or has been drunk or high, what happened is their vision is no longer stable. So whereas they used to be able to see clearly, the moment that the intoxication sets in, you're no longer able to see well. When a person gets drunk or high, where they used to be able to hear, now they start hearing other stuff. They start asking you questions like, did you hear that? Because their hearing is impaired. But not only that, they start having thoughts that are impaired. You ever been around high people that tell you this? When I smoke weed, I'm smart. No, you're not. <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all thought y'all was smart when you smoked or you got drunk? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You swore you were smart. You was like, man, I, I went in there. I got that work done quick. But what you didn't realize is you was moving in slow motion. Slow motion. I had somebody tell me one day, they said, well, Pastor, what you don't understand is that when I smoke, then I don't get as mad at the person because I'm able to calm down. And so smoking, because people still do smoke. We got to work on that, but people do still smoke. 
The person doesn't get a piece of my mind. I don't go off on them because I'm, you know, I'm chill. I'm chill. I'm chill. So I asked the question, Desiree. I said, well, if smoking really helps, then why is it when you don't smoke, it has not cured the problem? <laughs> so if it really helps you, then why is it when you, you know, if it's doing its job, then when it's finished, it should have complete, you shouldn't have to smoke all the time to chill. about when people are drunk and people are, are smoking and they're intoxicated, how things are impaired. And I start realizing what he's saying is, don't find yourself being drunk, but find yourself in a sober state where when you're sober, your judgment is sound. When you're sober, here it is, here it is, here it is. When you're sober, there are no illusions. Because, see, when you, when you tipsy, you sweat, you look good. I always look at people when they tipsy on Facebook and they post their pictures. And I said, man, they thought they were sharp. They'd be like. And I said, if they only knew all the bumps and curves and lumps and thumps, they would have put something on up under that. But they got the illusion that they was all that in a bag of, yeah, y'all get it, y'all saw them hitting like on them. No, you ought to been putting a mad face. <laughs> but what happens is when we have a sound mind, our mind is free of illusions and we're able now to think in a place of sobriety. We're able to be reasonable. We're able to be realistic. We're able to be sensible. We're able to use our thinking. Listen to this. The reference for the word here is, is sophronel. Come on, say that with me. Sophronel. Oh, y'all speak Greek real good. It's so for nail. And the reference of that word is this. It means a basic attitude is present that leads to certain modes of conduct. It means a basic attitude is present and that attitude leads to certain modes of conduct. So in other words, when we think soberly, we've got an attitude that causes us to act out what we think. So he's saying, I want you to think soberly. Now, here's the truth. The only way that you and I can have a right assessment of ourselves, not be too high and not be too low, is every day we got to renew our mind. Every day we got to speak what God says. Every day we got to remind self. See, you, you trying to remind other people? No, no, no. We got to remind self. Self, this is who you are. Self, this is what God says about you. Self, because what happens is when you get into a warped view mentality, the whole goal, hear this, Marcus, is to get you out of your purpose. Because true spirituality says when you got a right assessment of who you are, then God can work in you to bring out the goodwill, the perfect and acceptable will that he has for your life and you can walk in your purpose. 
Have you ever seen so many people that have so much inside of them and you wonder why they're not doing something? It's because their view of themselves is off. Because when you understand who you are, then you'll carry out the very purpose and assignment that God has given to you. And that, my folks, is true spirituality. It's a simple message. Because what happens is when you and I can carry out our purpose, mother, then now when we're with people, we don't have a mask on. So people can get the real you. And when they can get the real you, then they get everything that God put in you because he caused them to cross your path with a purpose and a reason. So if you can be you, then they can get what God has for them. And now God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to make that so spiritual. And we want to make it so ethereal and so cloudy. But no, no, no. God's got a purpose for your life. And all he needs for you to do is believe, trust in him. Don't think too high. Don't think too low. Stay right here soberly so he can carry out who you are, connect you with people you need to be with so your purpose in life can be fulfilled. So then you can stop asking, what is my purpose? Like the chicken who is my mommy? Was that the chicken? Are you my mother? Tell me the duck. I, then when I said it, it sound, didn't sound right. That's why I was like, is that the chicken? The duck. It was the duck walking up to the chicken, right? Asking the chicken, are you my mother? Right? Because he didn't know what his purpose. He didn't know who he was. The moment, that's why I'm glad they're here. See, we're all together right now. You see it? The moment that you realize who you are and who God created you to be, at that moment, and carry out your purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300 Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.